I'm using technology to help me. <laughs> that was so, that was so weird. No, that's not true. Okay, shut up, Jen. Here we go. <laughs> there, there's, there's your cold open. <laughs> hey, bubblers. Nope. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> I can tell just by the way you said it that you weren't going to make it. <laughs> wow. My voice did a weird thing. <laughs> All right, here we go. I don't know what the fuck that voice was. That was super weird. Oh, man. Sorry. I just, that was, that was very odd. Okay, here we go. Hey, bubblers, and welcome to My Streaming Bubble. It's the podcast where I talk about the shows that I love with the people I tolerate. I'm your host, Jen, and today Laura and I have our multi-passes in hand, and we're ready to talk about The Fifth Element. Hey, Laura. Hey. I finally made it through. (laughs) Took a couple tries, but I got through the intro. Oh, Uh, God. It was hard not to, like, burst out laughing at multi-pass, because I always hear it as multi-pass. Me too. (laughs) That's how how I normally have to say it, too. Mm Mm-hmm. So today's recording is was kind of a last-minute decision as I wanted to do a little something in honor of Bruce Willis. Uh, as many of you know, it was recently announced that he will be retiring from acting due to being diagnosed with aphasia, which is, according to John Hopkins' website, a language disorder caused by damage in a specific area of the brain that controls language expression and comprehension. Uh, aphasia has also been referred to or known as word salad. Um... Tim's mom, years ago, sustained a brain injury from a fall at work, and in that di- in her uh, brain injury TBI traumatic brain injury diagnosis, along came uh, aphasia with it as well. So we were told that that's how the doctors explained it to us was that it's word salad. So she's got all these words, and she's just kind of reaching for the right one to finish out her thought or to properly describe what she's talking about. So it can be very frustrating for the person that has it and frustrating for those around them because it's hard yeah it's hard to kind of decipher what they mean when they're not using the words that they really want to use. So uh respect his decision. I've always been a fan of Bruce Willis. So today is kind of a thank you Bruce for all the years of entertainment. And wish you well with this recent diagnosis. And hopefully, I don't know, things go all right for you. He's been very, very much a big part of, like, kind of my growing up. Because there, it always seemed like there was a Bruce Willis movie on at some point. Like a Die Hard or eventually, you know, like Fifth Element. So we'll be focusing primarily on the Fifth Element. And we'll give... Some brief mentions uh, at the end of some other some of his other roles that we really liked. So with that said, Laura, with regards to The Fifth Element, um, and, and for those that don't know The Fifth Element, <laughs> uh, Bruce Willis plays the character Corbin Dallas, who is a former military operative turned cabbie, and he's been recruited to save the world from pure evil and Gary Oldman, while also falling in love with the Supreme Being, Lilu, played by Mila Jojovich. And of course, we can't forget about Chris Tucker's Ruby Rod. So, <laughs> so, Laura, is this your favorite Brucey movie? And if so, why? Yeah, it's definitely my favorite Brucey movie. I mean, I could tell you other ones that I like, and we'll probably get to that later. But if there's one that I can just go back and rewatch and enjoy again, it's The Fifth Element. And, you know, it's not just like because, oh, it's got Bruce Willis in it. I mean, he does a good job with his character and everything. I just, I like the story. I like the way things play out. Um, I like the blend of, you know, futurism with the same doldrums of life that we deal with now. Like, it isn't so outlandish 
outlandishly futuristic where like eventually you go back and you rewatch it later and you know it, we've gone past the time period and it's supposed to be like this and all we have is this <laughs> like mm-hmm. back to the future too maybe yep. Yep. yeah <laughs> i knew that's so, what you were talking about so i feel like this holds up pretty well in terms of that too uh, it's not perfect in that regard but i think it does a pretty good job yeah, I'd have to say out of out of all of Brucey's movies, this is definitely up on the rewatch rewatchability list. It's it's a lot of fun. And I agree he does a good job with this character and you know, it's it's Bruce Willis and then you get like Mila Jovovich as the Jovovich as the supreme being and so she does a lot of kicking ass. Uh, she does a lot of awkwardness too I don't know it kind of it just makes it you know yeah oh absolutely and then it's like I always kind of forget that Luke Perry is in it in the beginning when they're in like the early like 1900s when they're first discovering oh you're right that is Luke Perry he's so everyone's just so young and sweet looking in this movie (laughs) so it's true and it's a lot it's so much fun and it's so bright and and it's funny you know, we have a, a movie that's set in the future, and it's funny. And I was reading that they went with something brighter colored and and in a more lighter kind of atmosphere than a lot of other uh, science fiction movies, maybe around that time, kind of darker color, more drab. You know, yeah, they're out in space. It's dark out there, but here they did a really good job making, like, the costuming bright and, like, the ship uh the like even the hotel ship Flaston's Paradise yeah um nice and they made bright. that bright and luxurious and you know like ooh i w- i wish i could try that out kind of yeah kind of yeah i kind of would want to go there that's still a lot of people and i'm just no thanks to a lot well of i suppose post post covid experiences I'm less inclined to be in that kind of environment, but at the same time, it's like, ooh, space cruise. Kind of, yeah, because then it's like during the day, the ship goes down to the surface, so you can enjoy like the beaches and all the planet surface things, and then in the evening, it floats up into the atmosphere, so you get like that nice view with dinner, and it provides like a nice backdrop for when they go and see the diva perform because you got like that planet i don't know if it's supposed to be earth no not earth whatever planet they're hovering and it's just it's very cool and it's just i don't know i love this movie it's it's just so much fun chris tucker is hilarious in this love that character ruby rod and just the buzzing and tim's just like imagine listening to all of that (laughs) like on the radio on his like little radio shows his podcast or whatever of him just like screaming screaming and buzzing and talking like an auctioneer (laughs) he's so adorable yeah i gotta give him props for making that work because like it's a very fine line between funny and annoying as far as chris tucker goes for me i can see that He's the perfect choice for that character. Yeah, he really was. I thought, and I was reading that, like, they were, they kind of had in mind maybe, like, Michael Jackson or Prince as in the role. Ooh, Prince would have been fun. Yeah, Prince. I mean, it's Prince. Come on. But I think Chris Tucker really took it and made it his own. And he does, I mean, it's, I kind of hate this term, but it's iconic. I I also hate that term. <laughs> I have found myself saying it more with having the podcast and everything than I normally would. But, I mean, it is. His character, his portrayal and everything. So, kind of helps make it a lot of fun. And I agree. I can see him kind of balancing that line of funny and enjoyable, but also kind of annoying. <laughs> you know what I liked about this movie, though, from a Bruce Willis perspective is, like, it didn't go too far outside the box of him being, you know, action hero man, but it's sci-fi and it's comedy. And, you know, 
he's clearly enjoying himself during making this movie and it just it's like one of the first times where I was like oh he did this just for fun Mm -hmm. yeah you definitely get that impression because and then another thing I was reading was that um after like he was a little hesitant at first and then he and basically he read the script and after he read the script he signed on like immediately and he was just like yes so I'm happy that he did that because I don't know if I could really picture any other of our big 90s leading men action stars in this role. You know, you not even our- Nick Cage. Ooh. I mean, he was action star at this point. Yes. Yes. I don't I mean, Nick Cage obviously would have made it his own and I think would have made it a iconic, very different movie, a very different movie, but could I, you imagine though Nick Cage and Gary Oldman as Gary Oldman's character in this? Oh, like Ooh, interacting yeah. with each other, like that would be super fun. That I would gotta be admit. super fun. No, no offense to Bruce Willis though, because I thought he was a perfect balance to that kookiness. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Um, well, as like, always, props to Gary Oldman because the guy I, can do anything. I swear. And I had also read that uh, Gary Oldman agreed to do the movie without reading the script or anything because as a, as a favor to director, writer-director Luke Besson, 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 because he basically helped finance one of Gary's projects like a year or two before. Oh. So apparently Gary has said that he has, he doesn't think highly of this movie, but I'll hand it to him because he still does a really good job uh, as zorg and i like kind of that kookier villain type like he's it's hard to take him seriously almost like it's hard to take samuel l jackson's character in the kingsman seriously because there's just something kind of like silly and kooky about him maybe it's the lisp sammy takes on in kingsman but but he's also both characters are just kind of fun to watch Mm-hmm. They have, they're, I don't know, they're just, they're different than like kind of your more traditional villain types. Right. And, you know, it's just, I think that's part of what makes this movie so enjoyable overall is just everything is kind of what you expect, but there's a little twist on it that just works. Yeah. I would agree with that. Let's see. There was something I had read about, um, kind of the inspiration that Gary was pulling from for his Zord character, one of them being Bugs Bunny. Um, <laughs> okay, I can see that. <laughs> I can too. I could too. I can't remember the other one. And the trivia list is pretty long on IMDB, but so I might not find it, but that's okay. Um, What are some of your like favorite scenes from this movie? Um... You can only pick like maybe two. Well, the first one that always comes to mind is the opera scene on the hotel ship. I mean, I love, I love the music in that scene. And, you know, um, just the aesthetic of the opera singer and, and all of that too. It just really worked well. And of course, it was a kind of tragic scene, which plays well for me. Because, like, one, you care enough to be like, oh, no. But then also, opera tends to end that way. So it's like, oh, we're going to do this literally. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that's the first thing that comes to mind. Um, I just also like the transition of, like, when Lilu first, you know, uh, gets out into the world. And she's just a bit weird about everything. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's just fun. <laughs> Like, how would you behave if you were in a new world for the first time? Oh, I probably would not have handled it as well as she did. <laughs> Gotta say, I I wonder, though, how can she be comfortable in those clothes? <laughs> no kidding. I I have always, always wondered that. Like, just... that's got to be so awkward and just awful. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. It's like, gosh, I hope those were like lined with something really soft. <laughs> I, yeah, me too. And then even like the the clothing choice that she made when she's at like the priest's house. Oh yeah. <laughs> and it's like, okay, so you're at priest Vito's house or whatever. And his, uh, in not intern, but his, I don't know the, the young David guy that's also studying to be a priest. Who's aware of like the big secret that has been passed down for the last 300 years. He comes out mm-hmm. with like a box of like random clothes what the fuck is are those items doing <laughs> doing in a box at a priest's house? The short shirt, the weird orange suspender things. I'd never not until like the other night when we were watching it. I was like, what's he doing with that's kind of weird. <laughs> well, you know, maybe maybe he convinced some people to change careers and shed their garments of their former life. Maybe, but I just thought it was, I just thought it was kind of funny. And I also, no, it is, it is funny. <laughs> and and mostly because it never dawned on me until the other night. So, I mean, I'd still consider those clothes an improvement over what she started with, but wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. Oh, so Gary Oldman played Zorg as a cross between then presidential candidate Ross Perot and Bugs Bunny. <laughs> Ross Perot? <laughs> Gary Oldman is one of the most interesting people on the planet, I swear. He is. I love that guy. It's like, you know, it's like a whole different level than like, you know what I think might go really well together? Peanut butter and chocolate. No, 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 no. Gary Oldman's like, you know what I think will go really well together? Ross Perot and Bugs Bunny. <laughs> I'd be like, what? And now we know what that's like. It's Zorg. So, mm. yeah, I'd say my favorite scenes are obviously definitely the the diva uh, opera scene and paired with her fight scene in the diva's room trying to save mm-hmm. the 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 stones and everything and let's see what's the other one there are some good ones here obviously opening the stones is yeah. a big one too cuz then you know once they figure it out and then you know Corbin's got that last match and he lights it and he tells because they're all standing around it and Corbin's like, no one breathe. I'm like, my ass would have pushed them all away. <laughs> you go stand over there. <laughs> Not taking any chances. <laughs> so it's fun that that can still be a little tense, a little stressful to watch. It's like, even it though is. you know it's going to be fine, <laughs> I still hold my breath. <laughs> Oh, you're doing what he asked. How nice of you. Exactly. So I'd be the person there like, well, now that you said it, I have to. Right? I'm like, oh, God, now I have to sneeze. <laughs> what have you done to me, Corbin, my man? <laughs> so I'd have to say, I think those are, yeah, I think those are my faves, my top scenes. So we talked about rewatchability. It's very, very rewatchable. Now, do you think this movie has aged well or do you think or that there are any issues with this movie watching it in with 2022 eyes? Well, I mean, as I already mentioned, I I think it's aged well enough that you can rewatch it and not have problems that way. And, you know, obviously watching it again post-COVID it's like, oh, wow, that's that's a lot of people in a very small space. Mm-hmm. Um, don't they have, like, space flu or something? Like... <laughs> 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 uh, but, you know, uh, I wouldn't say it's perfect. Okay, like, it's quirky, so we know it's not for everyone already. Um, and, you know, and Gary Oldman's Zorg is very cringy. Like, if you're not entertained by cringe, you're going to be like, ooh, I don't know. I don't know if I like this. But I think the biggest thing that was, you know, obviously present before, but is, I don't know, more in in your face lately is the whole secondary role that the women have. Like, they're all costumed in a way, like you said, it's bright and attention grabbing and everything, but it's it's obvious objectification and 
you know, it's not that the women, the female characters are like not entertaining on their own because they are. Like I said, Lilu's transition is hilarious to me. <laughs> but, um, you know, it still feels like they're more like plot objects than fully, fully fledged free will living characters. And maybe that's supposed to be the case with Lilu because she's the supreme being and she has a purpose to fulfill. But it kind of felt that way for the diva as well. You know, like mm -hmm. her whole point of being was to have that happen. And it's just like, oh man, I would have loved to see her live and go on and have like super badass quests or something. She feels like that kind of mm -hmm. character to me, you know? She could sing, she could fight, she's badass. Oh, but she's dead. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was kind of weird too because it's like she's she gets shot in the stomach while she's standing up on stage and why she didn't like vacate the stage, you know, run off to the side or anything uh, is a little like, huh. Um, right. But yeah, we don't get anything. Like the only thing we get about the diva is that she sings <laughs> and she is fully aware of the fifth element the supreme being the the stones and the impending evil that comes every couple thousands of years so it's like i would actually like to see maybe something showing a little bit more of the like a prequel about the diva yeah, context would be great. We don't get anything else about her. And then, yeah, for her to exist just to die. And then I'm like, I was like, what asshole shot the diva? <laughs> Tim's yeah, like, no yeah, kidding. maybe it was a rico ricochet or something. Because, yeah. I, yeah. And the fact that she can carry those four big-ass stones. And maybe that's why she couldn't scuttle off stage. She's weighed down with, with the stones. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm just like imagining her trying to scuttle off the stage after being otherwise so graceful and acrobatic. Right. Oh, wait, that's right. I have these stones. Yeah. <laughs> so that'd have been a great blooper. But yeah, like, how did she get to the point where she could do all of these things where she has so much knowledge and she's trusted to this point? And why did she have to swallow the stones? Like, mm hmm. I'm assuming swallowed. Maybe it was something else, suppository related, but whatever. Oh. Either way, like, why do they have to be in there? <laughs> exactly. Why couldn't you protect them? I don't know. And they're like a safe or something. Right. I also love how no one in, uh, in the movie, like the, the dog looking beast, the Mon Mongols or Mongolese, not Mongols. Um, I can't remember what they're called. Something like that. They never open a single chest to make sure that the stones are in there. They didn't do it at the beginning. And so when they met up with Zorg, he's like, oh, there's nothing in there. And then when they go to steal the, try to steal the stones out of the diva's room, they're going through everything. They like opening her luggage, throwing things all around. Then they find one of them finds like a smaller case inside a case and just assumes the stones are in there and never once opens it. And even Zorg comes and he gets that small case and he doesn't open it until he gets back on his ship. People. <laughs> well, there's the an hell? element of stupidity here. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> Is I that mean, the sixth element of the film, perhaps? Maybe. <laughs> A certain amount of stupidity is needed to save the universe? Possibly. Because it's like, you know, the the doggy looking aliens, like they're warriors. So fine, whatever. You want to paint them as like just dumb brutes and not smart enough to know to check the second. Oh, Braun, no brain. Yep. <laughs> then, but then Gary fine. Oldman? But yeah, Gary Oldman. Maybe that was the Ross Perot. <laughs> it's definitely not the Bugs Bunny. <laughs> definitely not Bugs. Bugs would have checked that shit. And then he would have pulled an old switcheroo. Sneaky little bunny. <laughs> yeah, I think this movie is still, you know, it's still, like we said, very rewatchable. Still a lot of fun. 
I guess kind of like the biggest issues that I have is that, or issue, is the fact that, you know, Lilu, yeah, she's the supreme being. Yeah, she's been around thousands and thousands of years, but she comes out of her shell after being like 3D printed and she doesn't know anything and she's learning. And granted, yeah, she learns at a high rate. She's scrolling the internet, <laughs> scrolling yeah, it's Wikipedia. Yeah, like pre- pre-matrix plug-in mode like but instead of you know she could just like absorb everything which was cool i thought was cool yeah but you're right like she's did they did they print her wrong (laughs) did they forget to print the brain (laughs) or like they don't know how to print it full so they printed it empty like or it's just i mean yeah she's got thousands of years to like catch up on sure but it it definitely made the love story between her and Corbin Dallas that much creepier. And then just kind of thinking back to Luke Besson's other movies, uh, The Professional, and because didn't he do uh, La Femme Nikita? I don't know if he did that or not, but I know he did one like with Scarlett Johansson, Lucy or something like that. Oh, okay, yeah. I kind of remember that one. But you're right. That was a creepy love story because like, okay, they go through a lot together. There is such a thing as trauma bonding, but trauma bonding is not a good foundation for a relationship. And also, really? She's just going to be like, okay, I love you. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm the supreme being and I'm just going to choose you because you're here. Pretty much. And you're not Chris Tucker. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. Yeah. Luke also directed, it's just Nikita. I don't know where I got La Femme Nikita, but that's okay. The USA TV show. Ha-ha. USA Network TV show. Thank you. That's yeah, you're exactly welcome. Right. I shouldn't remember that. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to go back to erasing that from my memory now. I mean, clearly I remembered it existed. I never, never watched it. So, But there seems to be a bit of a theme there with uh, good old Luke <laughs> and his some of his plot choices, storyline choices. But... So that's upon the rewatch. I'm not sure why it never really stuck out before, but this time I was just kind of like, Ugh. it didn't stick out for me because when I watched it, I didn't feel like it was like central to the story. No. Like, okay, it's something that happened. All right. I guess that's not, that's not a healthy relationship or anything, but all right, whatever. I mean, they saved the world. Maybe they just got caught up in the moment for all we know yeah maybe but save the world save the universe yeah. same thing saving things so but other than that that's really and that's not even like a big enough issue for me where i'm not gonna watch the movie because you're right it's not a main central focus she's got an accelerated learning ability and everything so she right. <laughs> catches on quick she kind of can mentally age <laughs> while she's learning about all the terrible things um war yeah and and all that so you know i gotta wonder though like if you absorb all of that horribleness like because doctor who kind of went through that too um you know matt smith's first episode Mm -hmm. there was that confrontation of historical human events in rapid succession so how does that not damage you in some way like that is a lot to deal with especially with like no break or context in between it's like oh I don't know wouldn't wouldn't you feel worse than they they do or is it because they're both like thousands of year old characters who have kind of been through this before but don't really remember that they're like oh yeah that's so awful, but I guess I'll deal. Well, with Lilu, it definitely was like, it was a lot to take. Yeah. In. And it, you know, she got visibly upset and everything. And then questioned, like, why? What's the point? You know, everything humans create, they use to destroy. Right. I think she had a more, like, acceptable reaction to that. But... It also feels like that after they have that one talk about it, she's just like, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> so, 
Yeah, it would be a lot. I, I'd probably be kind of like her, too. I mean, like, I don't want to save the world. You people are garbage. <laughs> right, right. You guys suck. Like, You're just going to do would this be the, again. Right. What would be the one thing that would convince you to be like, okay, I'll save it? Tacos. Oh. Ah. So I'm picturing you, like, have a having a Lulu moment when you have your first taco that oh you can remember. Yes. And I love that scene, too, when she's like, when she gets on the internet and she's like, ha, chicken, chicken, good. Chicken. <laughs> I feel like she's like such a cat in that moment. Yeah. Ken has chicken? <laughs> Chimkin? And, like, and who doesn't want, like, Timmy always complains that we're in the future now and we don't have food replicators like on Star Trek. <laughs> so he's watch- we're watching where she puts like a dish, throws some like, I don't know, little beans or whatever, pops it in a microwave kind of thing, pushes a button, and it's instantly like a full cooked big ass. That's a that was a big chicken. I know. And I want that. I do too. I want a big ass rotisserie chicken. Or the Star Trek replicator works too. I mean, whatever. I yes. I want that. I want to be able to order whatever freaking dessert I want. And if the replicator works in such a way where you be like, but make it really light in calories or 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 something be like yes all the flavor and none of the bad stuff yeah. perfect that's all we really want because you know there's times where you just don't want to think you don't want to actually make dinner you don't want to actually like order anything because you tried to call and there's like a really long wait and you're very hungry now so you just want to go to your wall and demand chicken and get chicken <laughs> <laughs> You have to say it like that or it doesn't work. Absolutely. <laughs> but doesn't it make you wonder for a second, though? Like, she's the supreme being. Does she really need to eat? I, You know, I kind of wondered that, too. I was or like, is so she just she's... doing it for enjoyment? Maybe just enjoyment. Because chicken is delicious. It is. So I could understand that. And clearly she's on her second chicken. <laughs> <laughs> That's another thing. Like, I know we only see bits and pieces of it, but I would love like an outtake that shows Bruce Willis coming home and just like the remnants of her one day's worth of eating, like filling an entire dumpster or like being a pile in the corner or something. <laughs> just something outlandish like that. It would be so awesome because he'd, He'd be so bemused but stoic about it. There would have to be a bunch of like the, because um, you know, like the little, the Chinese restaurant boat ship that, yeah. you know, was flying outside his window. So I would imagine that's basically like parked outside his window and then like the to-go containers and chopsticks and chicken, noodles, bones. chicken bones and noodles just kind of all over the place. So just just so you get a better sense of like how much she eats in a day and yeah. doesn't obviously gain an ounce so because she's was, she's a supreme being well because i was wondering that too you know obviously we don't see characters eating generally you know in movies no. and stuff and so unless like, you're brad okay. pitt yeah so or or robert downey jr in the avengers movies oh uh, yeah he's always eating yep okay he would stash spoon on set the actor, you know, not the character. <laughs> um, Are they really just the same person? I think so. But so I was like, okay, so here she is. She's like protein loading because she's about to go save the world. So she's getting ready to <laughs> protein loading. <laughs> she's a gym bro. I mean, she's on her second goddamn chicken. <laughs> and then, you know, the hobbits come out. What about second breakfast? Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And she'll be like, second breakfast? I like this idea. Two more chickens. (laughs) Breakfast chickens. (laughs) Oh, boy. Now we got something else. We had cheese fries, and now we have breakfast chickens. (laughs) Felix will be thrilled. I am not opposed to breakfast chicken, is all I'm saying. Felix's favorite dinner is chicken dinner. Literally, like... Lightly seasoned chicken, pan fried with some vegetables and some potatoes. He's just like, yes, chicken dinner. 
So he's like, Lilu. <laughs> you have to get him to say chicken. <laughs> I have to get him to say multi-pass too. Yes. A multi-pass for the chicken. <laughs> I want chicken. What's the magic word? Multi-pass. Multi-pass. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, anything else about the fifth element that you want to touch on real quick? Any other favorite scenes, lines, moments, memories? I mean, not really. I had a nice, you know, combination of like Indiana Jones stuff and sci-fi stuff. I just, I just liked it. Like I said, it's quirky and not everyone will, but I will always rewatch that movie and not regret it. Yeah, I agree. I, this, yeah, this movie's fun. I was like, I was kind of excited because I was like, oh, this is finally something I can watch with the kids around. And then they weren't around, which is fine. Because <laughs> then I don't have to answer a bunch of questions or hear them like, get bored and talk about something else but i think this is definitely a movie like ross would enjoy uh especially you know the the big climax of it when the uh dog aliens try to take over the ship and everything and and corbin saves the day because that's also really funny with him and chris tucker and like i said chris tucker just screaming like that entire time that high-pitched scream he does you know, you mentioned uh, Indiana Jones, and it's kind of funny because I always kind of viewed Chris uh, Ruby Rod as um, Indy's Winnie in uh, Temple of Doom because that oh. woman screams constantly in that movie. That's all you're, she does. You're right. Huh. So just a little, that's just kind of the, the connection my mind makes between those two movies. Um Another little fun thing that I was read that I had read on IMDb and then definitely noticed when we were watching it was that how many times five comes up in the movies. He's only got five credits left on his license. Things are, you know, five minutes, countdown, five seconds. Even at the end, Ruby Rod's like, you know, after they save the day and young David woohoos and Ruby's like yells at him. And he's like, you know, freaks out. He's like, so always something going on every five minutes, another bomb, this bomb, that. So uh, the bomb that Gary Oldman Zorg plants, the original countdown is 20. But once Ruby Rod sees it, uh, it's down to five minutes. So the number five pops up all throughout the movie. And eh, it's just kind of a fun little nod, you know, to the title. You know? Also a good drinking game. Also a good drinking game because there's a, there's there's a considerable there's enough there there's enough there's enough you could get at least five bus. at least five <laughs> now that would have been something I don't think it's I think it's a little more than five because I didn't actually count them damn it I failed so all right we'll just kind of quick touch on some of our other favorite Bruce Willis movies um this is kind of a mini actor episode but like I said it was very last minute so we haven't done a proper prep for it, but, you know, obviously there's Die Hard, Pulp Fiction, Moonlighting, and Sixth Sense. Um, one movie that I always think of when I think of Bruce Willis is the 80s classic Blind Date. Have you ever seen that movie? No. Oh, my God. So I'd be... I don't. I haven't watched it in forever, so I'm going to go ahead and say that I'm pretty sure it hasn't aged well. So, basically, Bruce Willis gets set up on a blind date with, I think it's Kim Basinger, and she's, and it's, it's, you know, it's a comedy, so silliness ensues. Phil Hartman's in it, John Larroquette's in it, and Bruce Willis's character has been told that she she's not supposed to drink, but Phil Hartman, his friend, kind of phrases it as she gets wild, you know, very so. enticing. So, you know, they have a few drinks when they're out and she gets a little wild, as they say. And then along the line, somewhere along the line and during the evening, Bruce gets all drunk as she's starting to sober up. So it's just not going well. Like I said, John Larroquette's in it. I can't remember if he's like Bruce's boss in the movie or something, but some shit happens. And basically like Kim Basinger has to agree to marry John Larroquette to keep Brucey safe and cut to like the day of the wedding. And, you know, she doesn't want to go through with it. She's miserable. 
and Brucey decides that he loves her or can't be without her. So he crashes the wedding and in doing so sends over like a big box of like chocolates, but, but had injected them all with booze. So it's a gift to the bride and she eats the whole box. So then she gets all drunk and she's up at the altar and she's like, I don't want to do this and blah, 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 blah. And then he shows up and then they dive in a pool because, you know, they're getting mar married over a pool or next to a pool. And they swim to each, to each other and they come up out of the water and they're kissing and end of movie. <laughs> well, I feel like I've watched it now. So it's, I mean, I used, that movie was always on something and I would watch it and I loved it. I thought it was hilarious. Like I said, I'm fairly certain it hasn't aged well. There are very racist depictions of Asians in it. Probably you know, objectifying women as well. Like there's one scene they like bust into like some party. Some lady is all fancied up and she's got uh, her bosoms kind of up and like a lot of cleavage showing. Mm. <laughs> and Bruce's character is all drunk and he sees it and he grabs a grape and he plays like he's playing basketball and he shoots a grape and <laughs> lands in her cleavage. <laughs> That just reminds me of the time Felix put a cracker in his dad's butt crack <laughs> when he bent over. <laughs> That's hilarious. It is. Oh, oh so yeah. yeah. That's, a, that's an old one that I, I tend to think of. Um, what about you? What are some of your other top Brucey movies? Well, I mean, uh, you mentioned some of them. Like, you know, some, yeah, I, I love the whole debate every year people have about whether or not Die Hard is a Christmas movie. It is end of discussion. I I like to think it is because they always play it around Christmas. Like it's part of the tradition now. Also, Alan Rickman, come on. Just just come on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like it's a great movie. And I know that that really like cemented Bruce Willis's like, you know, tough guy action star, which is deserved. But I really appreciate him in the non-tough guy roles or the tough guy roles that are very comedic. Mm -hmm. Like you mentioned The Sixth Sense, and I really liked that movie because, well, I mean, one, it was really well written and, you know, you didn't see the ending coming. Mm -hmm. I agree. Typically, there's probably some who did, but Bruce Willis's character was, you know, very soft mm -hmm. in that movie. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it was just really great in terms of his range as an actor because, you know, he, he had that ability to portray someone very different than what we're used to, someone very empathetic and everything. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I loved his performance in that movie. Yeah. Um, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to ask if you ever saw, um, what is it, Unbreakable? And I was going to mention Unbreakable. Ah! <laughs> Go Unbreakable <laughs> was an interesting movie for me to watch. It kind of felt like foreshadowing in a way. And I will get to why. But, you know, it's a comic book movie, first of all. Mm -hmm. um, and you might say, you know, it was the start of that trend. But I just, I love the slow evolution of his character and that they're, they're, for everything like someone like him, there's an antithesis. And that being, you know, Samuel L. Jackson's Mr. Glass. Like Samuel L. Jackson can play a, a villain, especially if it's quirky. I don't yeah. know. He just pulls it off. And that's true in The Kingsman as well. Like, I know you said you couldn't take him seriously, but I swear they gave him that list just to make him harder to empathize with because he had a good point. But anyway. Um, <laughs> we'll be back in covering The King Kingsman. No. <laughs> oh, we could. Honestly, that church gunfight oh, scene oh my god i best. loved it and okay. not because i love guns because i don't <laughs> but a very well choreographed action sequence we do love i do love colin firth very much but but um yeah it was again another really well written and i think compared to the sixth sense a very underappreciated movie but unbreakable became my nickname when i was uh, training at the jiu-jitsu MMA gym I used to go to and that is because I was in a car accident with a semi um, you know I got t-boned by the semi 
and then my car spun head on into the trailer and engine got pushed up through the dash and everything and I walked away from that with a burn on my cheek from the airbag and a concussion also from the airbag no other injuries whatsoever um so that became my nickname at the MMA gym (laughs) uh so you know I have a soft spot for unbreakable just because of that like Ooh, maybe I am. There's so many times where I should have broken bones and I haven't. <laughs> um, I'm not going to test that out. I am not jackass inclined to that degree. <laughs> um, but the other one too, like the one that I, I kind of come back to as far as comedy goes is um, the whole nine yards with Matthew Perry. Like, I get that Matthew Perry is the comedy driver in that, and Bruce Willis is playing a tough guy, but he's a tough guy in terms of being comedic. And I don't know, I find it playfully enjoyable, you know, uh, very cliche at times, of course. Yeah. But I could definitely rewatch it and enjoy it. God, yeah, I haven't seen that movie in forever. I remember enjoying it. I remember laughing because he does well as that more straight man to you know matthew perry's kind of the the sillier goofier you know kind of yeah neurotic kind of comedy yeah you know because you always kind of need those two character types to balance each kind of balance each other out and play off of each other and yeah i remember being entertained by those two i thought they did a pretty good job making me laugh same yeah um what about Death Becomes Her. Have you had you ever seen that movie? No. Oh, that is. I highly recommend you check that out at some point. So that's your recommendations are usually great. So I will do that. I agree. Uh, (laughs) Anyways, so Death Becomes Her. So that's the one it's got um, Meryl Streep, Brucey, Goldie Hawn, Isabella Rosalini uh, are all in it. And I think you would really enjoy it. Fair enough. I mean, yeah, he's got a ton of stuff on his IMDb. When I look at just his movies, there's like 144 titles for just movie roles. What other? Oh, and then Armageddon. Oh, yeah. How did I forget that? Oh, I should have mentioned 12 Monkeys. That movie, I watched that as a kid and it totally messed with my head i feel like that explains a lot no i'm just kidding (laughs) i can't go back and watch that movie i don't know what it did but it like really creeps me out (laughs) i admit i've only watched the movie a couple of times and i really liked it but not enough to want to sit down and re and maybe i will now because it's been so long but i remember it was good and I appreciated it, but <laughs> and that was about it. Oh, it was good because it stuck with me, but oh boy, I don't know if I can do that one again. <laughs> you know, and he's also done a bit of voiceover work, and probably his most well-known voiceover work has been the baby Mikey in the Look Who's Talking movies. Did oh, you ever get yeah. into those? Oh my god, yeah, yeah. We used to watch those at my dad's house all the time. <laughs> Oh, I love those. They're just fun. Do you have a favorite Die Hard movie? The first one. The first one? Yeah. It's a classic. Yeah. I, you know, first one is the first one. So it's always hard to beat that one. But I admit, I do like Die Hard with a Vengeance. (laughs) (laughs) Sammy's in that one. So maybe that's why. Uh (laughs) Okay. Okay. Fine. Why is he always like the follow on villain? Well, Sammy's not a villain in that one. No, but you're you're right, you're right, right. But I mean, like, he's always like, I want to, I want statistics on this. How many sequels does he show up in as a new character? Because hmm. I swear that's his thing. That's a good question. I don't know. I don't know. I was thinking of him in the Kingsman when I said follow on villain because that's what he was. But... <laughs> oh, we might have to do the Kingsman just so I have an excuse to rewatch it. 
Not that I really need one, but it's also good, always good to have one. Oh yeah, and Looper. Did you ever see Looper? Yes. That was I, that I, I love that I one. love that. That was good. Yeah. I agree. Uh and let's see. And then he was in uh The Expendables, which is one of my all time favorite movies. Really? Trilogies. Oh, I love The Expendables. I haven't watched it. Oh my god. They are exactly what you expect. Aging action stars, one liners, big blow 'em up scenes. I love it. I love them. Maybe we should do the expendables next. <laughs> the tolerables do the expendables. Oh. So, and then just like a shitload of other movies. He's been doing a lot of the direct to videos the last few years. And, oh. and seeing, because, you know, at the library, we get a lot of the straight to DVDs, straight to video movies. Um, and so I've been seeing a lot of these come through and I didn't really think anything of it. You know, there's plenty of actors, you know, big name, you know, A-list, B, C, D, whatever that do straight to video movies for whatever reason. There was a couple that I, there was one I saw the other day that had like Mads Mikkelsen. Right, that's the guy Hannibal. Oh yeah, yeah. No, he's gonna he's he replaced Johnny Depp in Fantastic yeah. Beasts. So, so I never so yeah I never really thought of it. I was like, okay, maybe these are just easier to film or something. You know, works more with like a his schedule or whatever. You know, I try not to judge those that do the straight to video movies, especially since my boy Nick Cage did so many. Right. I mean, how can you judge anyone else? Right. <laughs> so, but in light of Brucey's recent diagnosis, it all kind of makes more sense, you know. And it's interesting, too, I feel, the timing of the announcement of his diagnosis and uh, retirement. Because I was seeing other websites kind of point out that Bruce has got an earpiece on set during this movie. Or in, in this shot, he's reading from the script. It, it, like within the movie he's got the script in hand and I didn't click on any of those articles because I didn't care no but now everything now knowing everything that we know it all it makes sense and I did see someone post on Twitter I can't remember who it was but basically saying that um, with knowing that he did all those video uh, straight to video movies being diagnosed with aphasia and kind of looking back and seeing how maybe some of these maybe directors, producers or whatever kind of maybe took advantage of him. Uh, the Twitter user basically said that they felt like Hollywood let down Bruce Willis. I would I, agree with that. And I would agree with that. And I read that a couple weeks ago and I've been thinking about it ever since. Cause I'm like, it's, I mean, it's, it's Hollywood, right? They're, that's what they do. Well, it's heartbreaking. Yes. Because, you know, he's one of the disabled now. Mm -hmm. And this is this is how disabled people get treated. It doesn't matter who you are. Yeah. This is just what's going to happen. And I wish I, I wasn't saying that so matter-of-factly, but it's it's the case. It's like, very, yeah. if, if you can't advocate for yourself ever or anymore this is what happens to you and I just I feel terrible for him because you know I also wouldn't be surprised if a part of him like really wanted to try to tough this out mm -hmm. and you know get through it somehow but that's not really how brain damage works right um and you know kudos on him for trying but I also feel like yeah he was put in positions that made a fool of him because of, of this and it's just I don't want to watch his more recent movies because I am aware of that now yep like I don't think I can do it I think it would just be really upsetting to me mm -hmm. I do give credit to those who have come out and apologized now that they realize what was really going on and I do you know appreciate that the Razzies rescinded their award that was the right thing to do yep absolutely i mean objectively 
Is it still a bad movie? Yes, but we know why. Yeah. Um, and it, it doesn't deserve that level of scrutiny. So, you know, some, at least in Hollywood, are attempting to make corrective measures for this. But ultimately, the, the damage has been done. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just, it's rough to see that in the context of, I know exactly what they're doing to him, and it's not okay. Yep. And if a rich white man is going to get treated this way, just imagine how bad it is for someone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, someone as prolific as, as Brucey. No, I, I completely agree. And, you know, you say it matter-of-factly because it is. It's it's the truth. So, yeah, it really sucks. And, yeah, I'm with you. I'm not going to watch any of his more recent movies, especially uh, knowing everything we know now. Because, yeah, I think that would just be really upsetting to watch. And I would probably just get really mad at, like, the director and the producers and stuff that allowed that to continue and to to use him Mm -hmm. i was also seeing that uh actors have voiced their concern over bruce's health over the last handful of years saying that he just kind of wasn't himself you know uh on set as maybe they had seen before in other projects or just out how they know him and it's like those all just fell on you know deaf ears no one cared. Yeah. No one did anything. People don't and, care. And they just kept pushing. And who knows? Maybe, maybe a lot of it was choice. Maybe he wanted to keep trying and keep working for as long as he could. And maybe now is kind of more of a, I'm done now. You know, it's yeah. it's too much. So, but either way, he wasn't, he clearly, it, it, it definitely seems like he was not supported enough while doing these movies, even if they were his choice. Right. I would agree with that. And, you know, now now that it's out there and he's retired, again, you know, I'm glad we're doing this kind of impromptu recording to just acknowledge the seriousness of his condition, but also to pay tribute to, you know, the entertainment we've had basically our entire lives due to his involvement in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. So, um you know, I, I really sincerely hope that he and his family um, make the best of whatever the situation entails and can at least have relatively good lives. Absolutely. I wholeheart- wholeheartedly agree. So, oh, we got serious, but that was going to happen. Um, did we mention Pulp Fiction? Because obviously, Zed's you did, baby. Okay. <laughs> I had to at least make sure we named name drop like the big big ones that everyone's familiar with. So I mean that movie. How can you not mention it? Like there's so many. It's not just him. Like mm-hmm. that. That's like. I don't know. I feel like that movie is like a fixed point in time in terms of if you're putting doc if you're gonna Doctor Who this like <laughs> it's 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 that important. To the trajectory of so many stars in Hollywood. It's like, if you ruined that movie, you would ruin everything. It really kind of is. Oh, we should do an episode on movies that we would consider fixed points in history. Well, that's one of them. Oh, my gosh. No, we can't can't mess with this movie. It's a fixed point in time. We'll destroy the universe. Right. Princess Bride. Oh, my God. Don't don't touch that movie. See? If I swear, if they ever try to reboot that movie, I'll I'll lose it. <laughs> oh my God, I might have you on just to rant. I always love that whenever we're recording an episode, we come up with like five new ideas and then don't do them. <laughs> <laughs> well, the ideas are uh, uh, on you to prioritize. I just, I just, yeah, you leave me unchecked. I just spew ideas. <laughs> I know, I know. I've got them all in the spreadsheet, so. I'm. I'm the ideas person in a lot of scenarios. It's a problem. I should like go to idea people anonymous or something. (laughs) Idea people. Oh, that's an idea. No. (laughs) (laughs) 
oh i have an idea no laura no no laura no no more what ideas are the steps for you. <laughs> 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 oh boy all right well i think this is a good time to start wrapping it up so yeah. uh before we pop off, we're going to move on to the newest segment of My Streaming Bubble, and that's The Six Degrees of Nicolas Cage, and today is the Fifth Element edition. So, for those that may not be familiar with the game, we will take we will link this movie, The Fifth Element, to a Nick flick in six steps or less. So, Laura, what have you got for us today? Well, um... I'm going to go with a John Woo route. Ooh, woo woo. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'll cut uh, that. That was no. bad. <laughs> uh, that, that's okay. So John Woo um, directed Chris Tucker in Rush Hour um, with Jackie Chan. And that's also another role where Chris Tucker is being quintessential Chris Tucker just in less gaudy dress. <laughs> but John Woo, um, prior to that, directed Face Off with Nicolas Cage, John Travolta. Mm -hmm. So they have a common link. But there's an extra layer that I found Ooh. that is so funny. So Funny or Die did a spoof parody type video called Rush Hour 4, Face Off 2, starring <laughs> P. Diddy. It's like what? three, three and a half minutes long or whatever. Um, watch it. It's hilarious. Oh but my God. so it really tied it all together in a nice little bow for this. I love it. That's hilarious. Very good. All right. So I got, I have a couple of them here. Because um, when I sit down to start playing this game, for the pod, I go a little, it gets away from me, and I usually do a few. So I'm shocked. Uh, so shocking. So, Fifth Element stars Bruce Willis, who was in Pulp Fiction with John Travolta, Face Off. Okay. Mila jo Jovovich was in Zoolander with Christian Slater, who appeared as himself, who starred in Broken Arrow with John Travolta, Face Off. Chris Tucker. I went Chris Tucker as well, but I didn't go the John Woo Woo route. So Chris Tucker was in the movie Jackie Brown. He played a character Beaumont Livingston. Samuel L. Jackson is also in Jackie Brown. Sammy's also in Pulp Fiction with John Travolta. Face off. So John Travolta was a very <laughs> important link in, in my chain today. <laughs> but after our discussion, Sammy is also a very important link uh, at least to Bruce Willis movies. And God, you could, we could almost do like a Six Degrees of Sammy. <gasps> oh, Actually, you could, especially if it involves sequels, like I mentioned before. Yeah. I swear, he just shows up in sequels. <laughs> hey, that was a cool movie. Can I be a part of the next one? Kinda, sure, yeah. Sam. <laughs> like, he's got that status of like, yeah, I want to be in this cool movie. I, I want to be a Jedi. Give me a purple cool. lightsaber. <laughs> exactly. But also, like, on stage, you know, that whole thing with Samuel Jackson supposedly starring in something with David Tennant, but then not. And then, you know, <laughs> you know how that all played out. Oh, yeah, yeah. Where yeah. David Tennant got caught out lying to both of them. Yep. God, to Michael so Sheen. Funny. Yeah. Like, that I'm is, like, that was I'm like, two. I swear, Samuel L. Jackson what are you doing? <laughs> is your, how, what percentage of your career is sequels? Like, new appearance in sequel. We might have to, we'll, we'll do a deep dive one of these days. <laughs> new episode idea number seven for today. No. <laughs> really? <laughs> I just shook my mic. Anyway, so that's, that was fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> today has been fun. Today has been a good conversation like I said it's all very impromptu like I slapped together the outline like 10 minutes before I sent it so it's very... I read it like 10 minutes before we got on <laughs> good job thank you so, but yeah so 
I just want to thank Laura for being available today to do this kind of quickie impromptu recording. Um, I want to thank, obviously, all you lovely bubblies for listening. And my deepest and most sincerest thank you to Bruce Willis for providing, like I said, hours and hours and hours of entertainment for having some one of your movies always on in the background, usually like a Die Hard or something growing up. And just, yeah, thank you, Bruce. And I wish you and your family and friends sincerely the best in navigating this. That was bad. (laughs) I'm really bad with words. (laughs) Don't be mad at me. I know it'll fix that. Do a podcast. Yeah. No, no. But what you're saying is, is what we're feeling. So, you know, at least it's genuine, right? Yeah. It is. It is. So, you know, I saw a lot of people share the share the article the day it was announced and maybe post something about like their favorite Bruce movie and and all these little nods and and stuff. And I didn't do anything because I was just like I was a little kind of taken back, a little in shock about it. So I wanted to kind of make up for it and dedicate an episode to Mr. Bruce Willis. Well, happy to help. (laughs) thank you laura and thank you bruce for saving the world and universe oh so many times and keep streaming bye bye maybe this time (laughs) okay hey bubblers and welcome to my streaming bubble it's the podcast where i talk about the shows that i love with the people i tolerate (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm your host, Jen. <laughs> this isn't working. <laughs> okay. Last one. Last take. And <laughs> all right. If you're enjoying this podcast, be sure to let me know by rating and reviewing wherever you get your podcast fix. Follow me on Twitter at Streaming Bubble. Find me on Facebook and Instagram as My Streaming Bubble. Have thoughts, suggestions, questions, or want to be tolerated? Email me at mystreamingbubble at gmail.com. If you want to show your love and support for this little old podcast in monetary form, search My Streaming Bubble over at buymeacoffee.com and buy me a cheese wedge. And if you want to take that love and support to the next level, head over to Redbubble where you can find and purchase My Streaming Bubble merch. All monetary support goes right back into this podcast from new recording equipment to night cheese. Thanks for your support and keep streaming.